chapter 11, and we're going to go through 11 and 12 this, uh, this morning. And then next week, that means next week is our last week in Nehemiah. Aren't you so sad? I'm so sad. Oh, I know. It's going to be hard. But I'm excited too. We're, we're going to be uh, transitioning out of Nehemiah uh, into a four-week series called uh, Love Ran Red. Uh, going into Passion Week and and Easter and then uh, and just it really really get to emphasize talking about uh, God's passion and love for us uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, his passion exhibited as as the veil and the curtain in the temple was torn in two, granting us access to Jesus. Uh, and then Passion, obviously during Passion Week and the crucifixion and uh, through the resurrection as he shed his blood for us and as he rose from the dead, conquering death once and for all. And then finally, we'll, we'll end up the week after Easter uh, with the final sermon in that series uh, about uh, our job now as, as Christians to take that cross that he bled on and to carry our cross uh, as followers uh, and laying down our lives for him. So it should be a great series, Love Ran Red, coming up uh, first part of April and into, into Easter. I would be encouraging you to be praying for uh, your neighbors and your friends, God, the, the people God has placed in your life, uh, be, be encouraging them to, to at least start conversations about the gospel and about, about Easter. Easter is, is nationwide, right? People, people celebrate Easter, whether they hunt for Easter eggs or go to church, they're celebrating Easter. But Easter is about Jesus, and we need to, we need to lift up Jesus the best we can uh, with those, those holidays and, and meet, bridge those cultural gaps uh, with the gospel in conversation. And then, of course, you know, inviting them to, to hear the gospel message uh, on Easter Sunday. We'll certainly be talking about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ uh, on that day. But, but moreover, it is our job individually to share our faith with our friends, with our family members, with our community as that comes up naturally and, and in conversation, okay? So we'll be sharing that ahead of time as well. Uh, and by the way, we will be having a, a Good Friday service here uh, at the church uh, during the lunch hour. So that'll be from uh, 12.15 to 12.45, just a half-hour service here on Good Friday, okay? All right, we're in, we're in Nehemiah chapter 11, uh, and we're continuing this series uh, and almost finished now with it, with the Determined Servant series, and, and, and trying to be, you and I, trying to be more determined servants, uh, serving faithfully in our families, in our church, and in our community. And uh, I, I've mentioned before, we've seen through the first part of Nehemiah that, that God continued to provide and protect his people from the opposition that they faced, that he was and he is their provision, that they're most satisfied in him and most confident in him, and they let him take charge. And even when it seems like they're going to be defeated, they say, you know what, we're going to trust God here. And God continues to provide for his people and to protect his people. Uh, and God continues to use Nehemiah after that to then shift gears from, from the wall. The wall was finished, and he, he said, let's shift gears from this wall uh, to the spiritual priority uh, and the well-being of his community uh, before we can even dedicate the wall. Today we're talking about the dedication, but, but he shifted gears to the spiritual priority, yours and mine, that our hearts would be lived out in response to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that our hearts would be lived out in response to the covenant that God made with his people. So last week, we were able to hear from Alistair, and Alistair helped us to see uh, and, and learn about a servant's response. And, and that response was our response to God's covenant with us. Now, although chapter 10 is, is the people's uh, covenant with God, they're saying, we will do this, God. We, what, what it is is the people's response to actually God's covenant to them. You see, there is nothing I can do, nothing you can do, nothing we can earn to be able to earn favor with God. 
and to be in his presence. The Bible says that we've all sinned, we've all fallen short, we've all gone astray, and none of us, none of us can live up to the standard that he has for us. So when we say, God, I want to serve you, God, I want to love you, God, I want to give to you, God, I want, I want, I want, I want, it's not to earn his favor, it's to respond to the favor he's given us through Christ Jesus on the cross, amen? That the favor was given through, through Christ the Messiah. And in the Old Testament, that they understood the covenant of God was present. That God said, listen, I am going to provide a Messiah for you. And what, you, what I require from you is faith in that Messiah. And that, that your faith would be lived out by your actions as evidenced by your actions. And that I would credit that obedience lived out by faith as righteousness to you. Because of the Messiah. Not because of you, but because of faith in the Messiah. Today, we look backwards to the cross, knowing what Jesus has done for us, knowing that Jesus paid the greatest debt that we ever owed. He paid on our behalf because we could not pay it without being separated from him forever. But he wanted so badly for us to be in relationship with him and to be with him that he went to the cross and he gave his life so that you and I could be free. And now your, your life and my life, as we looked last week, are responding to that grace, to that covenant. It's a response to the greatness and goodness of God. Today, as we look at, we're going to switch gears and look at the servant's sacrifice. So the people responded. And now today we're looking at how, what does our life look like lived out in sacrifice to our God and for our God. That we would, we would decide to be the people set apart so we can be the people of God. And, and God, that God's, God, people all around the world could look at us and say, that, there's something different there. God is there. They're the people of God. We want to be set apart uh, as the people of God so we would look like we are sacrificing and shining light into the darkness as we do. But again, this is a response to God's covenant. So we're looking at God's, uh, at a servant's sacrifice today. All right? Let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get started uh, in Nehemiah chapter 11. God, you are a gracious, gracious God. We are so grateful for the covenant that you have made with us through Christ Jesus. And as we come here today, we come to worship him and celebrate Jesus and lift him up. And we are so great, grateful that although we, we couldn't earn you and had nothing righteous about ourselves, that you took it upon yourself to reconcile and to fix, to replace and repair what was broken between us. That through our faith and belief in Jesus, we could have a righteousness that is from Him and not ourselves. We rest in that. We rest in His covenant. And we joyfully desire to respond in obedience with our lives. God, help us glean from the Scriptures today as we look. That God, we would be open. Our hearts and minds would be open to receive Your message. You would challenge us and change us. Convict us of sin and make us conform more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. So we're in Nehemiah chapter 11. Uh, point number one of a servant's sacrifice. Uh, number one is that we are to give ourselves to God. That's, that's the first sacrifice. We give ourselves to God. If you remember back, Nehemiah's heart was broken over the news that this holy city of God, Jerusalem, was in shambles and ruins still. And that the people that were living there, the remnant that was still there, or had gone back, were, were in great distress. And in his heart broken, he wept over that. So he went back and they, they started to rebuild and refortify and re, re, remake the city, the city of God that it was supposed to be, the city on a hill, a light in the darkness. 
And although their efforts concentrated on building the wall, Nehemiah knew that the strength of Israel or Jerusalem would never be stronger than its people was weak. He knew that the city would not thrive with a weak people. And he had to, he had to reanalyze and refocus his efforts to make sure that the people understood their response of their life was to be lived out in holiness and in obedience to God so that the city could be lifted up, the city could be fortified with a people whose heart were focused on Jesus, on God, on the Messiah. The city could not be strong unless the hearts of its people were ready to lay everything down and everything on the line, sacrificing themselves for the glory of God. Again, it's, it's a life that's lived out in response to God's goodness and His mercy. Let's pick it up in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 11. It says, Now the leaders of the people stayed in Jerusalem, and the rest of the people cast lots for one out of ten to come and live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while the other nine-tenths remained in their own towns. And the people praised all the men who volunteered to go and live in Jerusalem. And I want us to look at, if you just glance down to verses 16 or 6 and 14, it talks about, um, it uses this word capable men that these 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 men who were there these men and families were capable men and it's it's the same verbiage used when you talk about david and david's mighty men it's the same verbiage used when we talk about boaz in the book of ruth uh, of men of substance and character they're capable they're hard-working men of influence uh, here's what it was. it was these people these men and these families were, were were individuals who said my heart is all in you know we, we tend to think these men of valor or these mighty men were these really jacked up ripped guys like oh i'm Give me a sword, and I'll, I'll stand on the wall, and I'll intimidate some people for you. All right, that's what we think about, these mighty men. But God doesn't look at the outside. He looks at what? The heart. It was the heart that he was looking at in these, these men and women, these families, who decided, I'm all in. I'm there. These capable men were people who said, I, I'm going to stand, and I'm going to give my all for the God who gave everything for me. That's who they were. And yes, they, they were men that were going to do something with their faith. They were going to go out and, and, and challenge the status quo. They were going to go live their lives in a way that, that pointed to and directed people to Jesus and lifted up the Messiah. That's what capable men are. That's what mighty men are. It wasn't someone that was just ripped and on top of the wall intimidating soldiers. It was people whose hearts were turned to God and who gave themselves to God. Capable men the scripture says in verses 1 and 2, it says that some were drafted, right? It was, they cast lots to see who was going to go live in Jerusalem. Well, here's the deal. When Nehemiah came back, Jerusalem was in shambles. And it says in the text earlier that, that a lot of the houses were just destroyed. There weren't, there weren't even enough houses to live in there. And it was, a, it was not just a Jewish place. There were Gentiles there as well. It was uh, people who were not fearing God lived there and worked there and did commerce there and lived in the outlying areas. But most of the remnant lived outside of the city. And they came into the city because that's where their farms were, right? That's where their livelihood was. And they had sacrificed for those 52 days. Said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna set aside and, uh, my own priorities, my own family. I'm gonna go to the city and we're gonna build this wall. And they camped out wherever they could. And they built the wall. Some went back to their houses, some stayed there. But when it came time and the wall had been built and now it's time to fortify the inside of the city, more construction projects were happening. Houses were still being built and fortified as well. Nehemiah understood and knew that in order for God's city to be the city of God's people, God's people had to live in God's city. So the scripture says, well, they cast lots. How lucky was that for them? 
They had their way of life. They were loving it on the outside. They had their, their farm and their neighbors and their, their whatever group they were involved in. They were secure. They felt comfortable. How would you like it if right now we just took someone's hat and went around and put your name in it? And 10% of you, we're just going to start a new work down in Shasta Lake City, right? And you're going to move there so we can have worshipers there. You ready? You ready to put your name in the hat? Doesn't seem very fair, huh? Doesn't seem very, this doesn't seem very, very good situation going on. And, so, and some commentators say that this was a, that's exactly what it was, a draft. People timidly said, okay, I guess, okay, hopefully you don't pick me. Here's what I feel about this text. I feel that, that yes, although they cast lots and that was how it was done in the Old Testament, the casting of lots was how God's people let God speak to them and show them his will. So when they cast lots, they said, hey, we're going to cast lots. We're going to find out right now what God wants. That's what they were doing. And I don't think it was that, that timid, like, oh, I don't, uh, don't put my name in the hat. Don't, uh, no, I'm going to stay out. And I was like, this is what it was, I feel. I feel God's people who, who wanted to be used by God and whose hearts were open to God, they raised their hand and said, listen, my name's going in the hat because I am God's and whatever he wants of me and my family, I'm going to do. We've just seen what he's done with the wall and with protecting and providing for us. We are God's people and we will lift up God's city and, and God's name to the world around us. I'm ready to go. They raised their hand and they voluntarily said, you go ahead and pick whoever you want to pick. Some people said, I know I'm called. I know I'm supposed to be in that city. And that's why they praised those ones. They knew their calling and they moved to the city without having anyone draw their name. The rest of them said, I don't really know what God wants me to do, but I'm willing to find out. And when their name was pulled out of the hat, that family's going, all right, we're going. That's the will of God. It wasn't, and that, now granted, there were some people, just like you are in the audience now, uncomfortable about going to Shasta Lake City. There were some people that were like, man, I need to put like my neighbor's name in there twice and pretend it was me. You know, I'm not, they didn't want to move. They weren't, they weren't wanting to give all to God. But for you and I, if we really want to be ser servants who sacrifice, we have to give ourselves. We have to free ourselves of our own will, our own agenda, and free ourselves even to the ultimate point of giving our lives for the cause of Christ. That his agenda and his will is more important than what I think and feel. So when they, when they raised their hands and said, hey, yeah, you can draw my name. Look, I'm, I'm a part of that. I'm part of God's people. Of course, God wanted some of his people outside and some of his people inside the city. God places us in certain places divinely for his glory. And I, I really feel that. I feel like sometimes we're guilted into that place even as American Christians. Like we should be going to Africa. Right? We should be going to the Middle East and being missionaries there. How dare we not do that? How dare we? Well, God placed me here. I was born here and I live here and I feel called to be used here. Now, do some people get called away? Absolutely. God builds them up as a, as a child, and, and they get training and encouragement and passions and excitement, and they start to feel a, a desire to go start something new and connect with cultures and cross-culturally connect, and they should go. And, and I know lots of people who have done that, from America to other, other countries, and from other countries to America, they feel called. But the calling is a calling that says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up, I'm going to burn the ship that took me there because I'm not going back. This is my calling. I'm going where I'm called. You and I need to analyze what, what is God calling us to do? Some of us know exactly what we should do. For me, I know that I am, I am to be here in Mount Shasta at First Baptist teaching, preaching, equipping the saints for ministry. 
And that's the God's calling on my life. I don't have any desire to sign up to go to Africa. Right? There's, I don't think I have to do that. Am I open to God saying, saying differently? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I often pray, God, if I'm, if I'm wrong, you let me know. Show up. Tell me. Put, put a passion in my heart for somewhere else and put it a distress or a, 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 a something against where I'm at now. It's Pastor Stan always said that. You'll know, you'll know it's time to leave when, when, you're, when your heart just wanes where you're at and, and longs for something different. See, God places that through His Spirit in our lives. Some of these were called. Some of these, I, I know, we're moving. Come on, family. We've been there working. We're moving to Jerusalem. And the other said, I don't know where I'm supposed to be, but I'm open to God. And they raised their hands, submitting their will, and let God determine who was to be in his town, in the city of God, to be witnesses to the people that he was their God, that he was the king. The question to ask you and the question that I ask myself, is my heart willingly raising its hand and ready to sacrifice as God calls? We just did our spiritual gifts workshop in here between services, and I gave everyone a little green piece of paper. It had like, put your name on it. What were your ministries you've been involved in? What, have you been, what, what are you involved in now, if anything? Uh, what are your top spiritual gifts? On the back of it, what are the things, like the passions and um, th- projects and things you've been involved in as a person in work, and what are, your, uh, what are you good at? Just because get, turning that green card in kind of says, I'm raising my hand. They may not call me for three weeks. They may not call me for three years. But at least I'm raising my hand and letting, letting people know I'm willing to serve. And, and, you know, it's that thing that people say sometimes. You know, it's I'm waiting for God. I'm waiting for a sign from God. What's God going to do? What's God going to, when's God going to show up and tell me what I need to do? And then you get a call from the church office. They say, hey, can you substitute uh, this week for teacher so-and-so because we, we don't have that teacher. We need to have class. No, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm busy waiting for God to tell me what to do. Oh, and then you get another call. Well, can you, can you come help at, at uh, Team Kid? We, we need to have someone make snacks for, for the children at Team Kid. Uh, brownies, crackers, pretzels, and then a drink. No big deal. Can you come help be a part of that? No, no, I'm, I'm waiting for God to tell me what I need to do. Hey, we have a, we have a vacancy this week in our, in our nursery. We need someone to take care of the little ones during this hour. You've done it before. Are you willing to do that again? No, I'm waiting for God to tell me what to do. And we end up waiting and waiting and waiting for God to tell us what we need to do. And he's called us like 15 times. And he said, here's what I wanted you to do. I, I, don't, I don't suggest living this way all the way, but I know pastors and I know friends of mine who are in the yes business. That they wake up in the morning and they say, God, whatever comes my way today is what you want me to do and I'm going to yield to that. So when someone comes up and says, hey, can I get a ride to town? I, I, yeah, you bet. You place me, God, that person's in my path today. I can do it. I'm going. Hey, do you have $10? I need a, yeah, here you go. Hey, can you, they just are yes people. Like, that's dangerous. Are you sure? You know, they're like, I want to be obedient. And if God, I, and I pray beforehand that God would show me what he wants me to do, I should, I should be ready to receive what he wants me to do, the marching orders, and be, be sensitive to that call. You and I need to raise our hearts, our, the hands of our hearts, to be ready for that call that we would sacrifice when it comes up. And, and granted, there are a variety of people, not only in Nehemiah's day, but in today's day, there were a variety of people that were needed. Nehemiah knew that there, we needed singers and Levites and people to work on the buildings and, and people to, to disciple people and, to, and, and storehouse keepers and guards. Like there were all kinds of people who were needed for service in the ministry. And God uses many people with many gifts and skills to maintain the ministry of his church, the bride. 
That was one of the reasons we went through the spiritual gifts workshop today. So let us see, how has God wired me up? How can I fit? Because we're not all an eyeball. We're not all a toe. We're not all a, a hand. We're all different, but we're all part of the body, and we need to fit and work together. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says this. It says, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, or because of the mercies of God, right response to God's covenant and mercies, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. That our spiritual worship will be exhibited in our obedience to lay ourselves down and let God do whatever He wants with my life. That my life is no longer my own. It was bought at a price, therefore I'm going to honor God with it and I'm going to lay it down. That's what God desires us to do. A servant sacrifice lays down their lives. Number, number two. Another part of servant sacrifice is that we give our praise to God. We give our praise to God. All glory goes to Him. It's no longer about my attaboy or how good of a job I did or how many certificates I have or how many, uh, how many master's degrees or yada, yada. It's about how good God is, and I praise Him for that. Let's go to chapter 12, uh, and we're going to look at verse 27. We're going to skip through this uh, section a little bit. <clears throat> chapter 12 and verse 27. It says, so that now they're dedicating the wall here. It says, At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sent for the Levites wherever they lived and brought them to Jerusalem to celebrate the joyous dedication with thanksgiving and singing accompanied by cymbals, harps, and lyres. Okay, go down to verse 31. It says, Then I brought the leaders of Judah up on top of the wall, and I appointed two large processions and, uh, that gave thanks. One went to the right on the wall toward the dung gate. Now go to verse 37. At the fountain gate, they climbed the steps of the city of David on the, uh, on the ascent uh, of the wall and went above the house of David to the water gate uh, on the east. So that's that first procession. The second Thanksgiving procession went to the left. So one went to the right, one went to the left. What are they doing? They're, they're looking and seeing and, and visually inspecting. This is what God has done. And praising God and dedicating each gate and each part of the wall to God. This is what God has done. They're giving Him the credit and, and here's what happened. It says they went to the left. It followed with ha I, I followed with half the people along the top of the wall, past the, uh, the tower of the ovens to the broad wall, above the gate of Ephraim, uh, and by the old gate and the fish gate, the tower of Hananel and the tower of the hundred to the sheep gate. They stopped at the gate of the guard. The two Thanksgiving processions stood in the house of God, uh, and so did I, on, on, and half of the officials accompanied me as well. So there's this, this procession happening. They, they're, they're walking on and going around this wall that, that people say, oh, foxes would jump on that and knock it over. And they are proclaiming loudly to the city, to the Gentiles who are in the city, to those who are looking out, to the people who would have opposed them. They are proclaiming loudly that this was a work of God, and we are praising our God with, with what he has done here. Now we're going to jump down. Look at verse 43. They came together, so they went around, they came together at a spot of worship. And in verse 43, it says this, On that day, they offered great sacrifice and rejoiced, because God had given them great joy. Great joy there, right? It says, The women and children also celebrated, and Jerusalem's rejoicing was what? What heard from afar, heard far away. They got loud, folks. They got excited 
about what God had done. And, and their excitement was to be a testimony about what God had done and what God was going to continue to do in our lives as our worship should be as well. This is a glory issue. We want to give glory to God. Giving praise to God means that we are not only aware of, but want to be led to let the world know who has given us hope and grace and life. Amen? That our worship and praise should be that that says this is who gave us hope, this is who gave us, gave us life, and this is who gave us grace. It's all about God and Him giving, getting the glory. Psalm chapter 67 Verses 1 and 2, I'll read that for us. It says, May God be gracious to us and bless us. Look on us with favor, so that your way may be made known on the earth, your salvation among the nations. You know, people often ask for a blessing. Oh, I hope God blesses us today. I hope God blesses us today. But the heart of wanting a blessing is a heart of praise that will give God the glory and the credit. Look at the Scripture. It says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and look on us with favor not period, so that there's a motivation here. That we want God's blessing, we want God's favor, we want God's mercy, so that His way would be made known on the earth and His salvation would be made known among the nations. Our worship of God comes from the blessing He's received us. It's a response to throw it back at Him and say it's all about Jesus and Him receiving the glory. And not only do we receive or do, do we praise Him uh, in, in obedience with our life in our, in our, in our, uh, our obedience, right? We praise Him by obeying. We also praise Him with joyful praise, actual singing. We worship God. They offered their praise, and here's three, three words they used. They offered their praise thankfully, joyfully, plug your ears, loudly, they offered their praise thankfully, joyfully, and loudly, accompanied by several various different ins instruments. And their praise to God was heard from afar. Why? Here's why. Let me, let me challenge us here. Let me challenge our heart. Because we come here and we sing songs to Jesus, right? They're on the screen and we worship Him. Why were their, were, were their songs heard from afar? Because they weren't ashamed of it. And because they, they, weren't, they weren't letting their worship leaders praise on their behalf. They weren't letting people praise on their own behalf. They were led into worship by the Spirit of God into their own celebration of God's goodness. When you and I meet and when we come before God and when people use their gifts and talents to sing and to lead, lead with music and, and, and instruments, as we sing those songs, we should be singing songs led by the Spirit of God into our own celebration of God's goodness in our lives. We are not spectators in worship. We are participants. And our sacrifice is to praise God and give Him the glory that He might be made known among the nations. Finally, number three. A servant's sacrifice consists of giving our gifts to God. Giving our gifts to God. We're, we're in chapter 12. Let's look at verses 44 and 45. On the same day, men were placed in charge of the rooms that housed the supplies, contributions, first fruits, and tents. The legally required portions for the, for the priests and Levites were gathered from the village fields 
because Judah was grateful, was grateful to the priests and Levites who were serving. They performed the service of their God and the service of purification along with the singers and gatekeepers as David and his son Solomon had prescribed. Go down to verse 20, 47. So in the days of Zerubbabel and Nehemiah, all Israel contributed uh, the daily portions for the singers, the gatekeepers, uh, and the gatekeepers. They also set aside daily portions for the Levites, and the Levites set aside daily portions for the descendants of Aaron. You and I are to continually give and support the ministry of God through his church. Here's the hard part. This is like the third or fourth time we're talking about this in three or four weeks. It continually came up in Nehemiah's day that we are to be giving, giving of our gifts, of, of our money to God because it's his money in the first place that it would benefit and glorify him and, and it would advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, when believers are part of a ministry, a godly ministry that exalts Jesus Christ as Lord and is dependent, a ministry that is dependent on the word of God, you and I as believers should be so eager, so eager to financially support that ministry that we might lift up Jesus and make his name known among the nations. Bible says that we are to be cheerful givers that give generously. Give generously. Paul, Paul tells the church in Philippi, he calls the gifts from that church a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And, and I know we've hammered this for the last three or four weeks, so I'm not going to hammer it any more than I already have. You and I are to be giving to the ministry of God's church that it would go forward and advance the gospel. But what I want to show you today, and not, not, not prescribe again that this is, you have to have to do this, I want to show you what your gifts have done. I want to give you a little glimpse of what your gifts, giving, giving money to the ministry of First Baptist, what it has accomplished. And, and, I, and you and I probably all, in different ways, give, give outside of even this church. I know, I know my family gives outside of this church to ministry causes all around the world. Right? God calls us to do that, but there is a support of the ministry of our church that we are to, are to continue to support. And here's in the last 12 months. In the last 12 months, here's some, some, right? Maybe a third of the things that I, I could think of in a long, long list that, uh, that we've done. We have given thousands of dollars to families in need of rental assistance in our church. We have given thousands of dollars to families who, uh, who are in need of emergency lodging or travel because of a need in their life that came up and arose. We, we've, given, uh, we've helped a family recently uh, in our church to help purchase their new car. They're not a new car, but a, a first car for them and their family and their children. Right? That's something that, we, that we've done. We have spent, uh, given thousands, thousands of dollars to feed the hungry in Mount Shasta and in our body. We've given thousands discipling and caring for and loving children, not only in our community, but especially in our church body who are here. We've given thousands in supporting and encouraging marriages within our body, whether it be conferences or retreats or counseling, uh, whatever it might be, to date nights, whatever it might be to support marriages. Uh, we, we have given thousands of, of dollars for that. We have given thousands of dollars to people so they would see and know and feel the compassion of Jesus Christ. We have filled up, we have given hundreds of dollars, probably not thousands, but hundreds of dollars filling up people's gas tanks because they had a need and that's how God led us to serve. We have given thousands of dollars that would help uh, disciple believers in our church, adults and youth alike. We have given thousands of dollars to serve and share Christ with and in our community. And we have given thousands of dollars 
to keep a place of worship maintained and equipped with qualified, committed staff. We have given thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars actually, to missions causes, both here and around the world that Christ would be exemplified and seen among the nations. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. My encouragement to you is keep on giving. And, and most of us never needed a list. We never needed to see and detailed list of how it, was, how it was happening. We just cheerfully, generously gave. But you need to know, and, and I need to be known and encouraged, that the ministry of our church is making a difference in people's lives for the glory of God, that they would know Jesus Christ as Savior. And that is our utmost desire. So it is, it is only right that you and I would be called to sacrifice and give as we can, as we are led, generously and cheerfully, not under compulsion, or begrudgingly, but with a glad heart. I hope you're encouraged by, by the, that. That's just some of the things that happen around here. The dedication of the wall was a happy day. It was a happy day in Jerusalem because the work had been completed, because God had been glorified, and because His people were committing to the laying down of their lives so that His salvation would be made known among the nations. I pray that every, every day and every Sunday is like that for us. A happy day where we, we give of ourselves, we worship God so He gets the glory and we give with every last cent, ounce, and gift that we have so that God's glory could be revealed among the nations. Amen? Let's stand for prayer. Father, we are so grateful to be here today in a place where we can, can worship you from the depths of our heart. And God, I, I honestly pray that you would help us to, to worship you from that heart, a heart of response to the gospel message of Jesus Christ and his righteousness. That while we were still sinners and helpless, you died for us, making peace with God an opportunity for those you are calling to salvation. God, draw our hearts to you day by day. We would submit ourselves sacrificially to you in response to that covenant that you made with us. We love you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we close right now, it's our opportunity to worship. And, and I, I just asked, I asked uh, these guys to come back up and, and sing that song they sang for special music. Really catchy, really easy. It's, the words are going to be on the screen. Let's sing it out. This is a time to worship God with all of our heart, responding to His greatness so that people would know. Let, it, let God know how happy you are in Him. Let people know how happy you are in Him as well. This is our opportunity to respond. And if you need prayer for something, I'd love to pray for you. I'll be standing up front. Maybe you need to grab somebody next to you and pray or just pray where you're at. Whatever God's asking you to do in response to Him now, let's do that. All right? Let's sing.